Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording a little late this week. Yeah. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the Kamar Duban incident, which, if you don't know, is the other Diatlov Pass. So we covered Diatlov Pass almost exactly a year ago, January of last year. So if you haven't heard that story, you can go and listen to that either before or after this one. It doesn't really matter. But these two incidents will have a lot of similarities. This one might be crazier. I don't know. The Outlook Pass is pretty fucking crazy. It is pretty crazy, right? So when I say this one might be crazier, I I mean, I don't know. It's very, very strange. And I think part of what makes Dyatlov Pass so interesting is that nobody, even to this day, can agree on what actually happened that day. So if you haven't heard that one, go and check it out at some point. I think we covered it in a three-parter. It's a longer one. Mm -hmm. It is. Don't look at the autopsy photos. Don't. (laughs) I think we say that multiple times in the episode, but don't do it. Now... In the Dial of Pass incident, there were a group of hikers who went into the Ural Mountains and something happened, right? We don't know what happened, but something happened where they actually flee their tent in what appears to be the middle of the night in all stages of undress. And no one has shoes on. They actually cut their way out of the tent. Mm -hmm. So there is panic. There is something happening. And they are found all over the mountainside in very, very strange circumstances. And to this day, we don't know why the group left the tent. We don't know. The Olive Pass? Yeah. They, they put out two different. There's, there's multiple theories. So the National Geographic, I think, came up with a theory. Like last year, we did an update with their theory. Yeah. That it was based on sound. The avalanche. A good theory, but I don't think that it explained everything. And we're going to run into that with the Kamar Duban incident as well, where there's a lot of theories, but none of them quite fit. So the Kamar Duban, it is in the mountain range in the southern Siberia's Biryatsia region. And it's perched below Lake Bakal, which is the largest freshwater lake in the world. And it is larger than all of the Great Lakes combined which there are five of those, and they're pretty big. Lake Bacall is larger than Belgium and is the deepest lake in the world at over a mile deep and more than 30 million years old. In 1993, seven hikers from Kazakhstan would head into the mountain range. They plan to hike 70 to 80 kilometers, which is about 45 to 50 miles. So, Very doable if you have a few days, if you're an experienced hiker. And only one of the seven hikers would come out of the forest. So we do have one survivor in this case, which actually makes it kind of crazier. The lone survivor has refused to talk about the incident after giving her initial statement to police in 1993. She was a bit traumatized. So we have Ludmilla Korvina, who's 41, 
We have Alexander Crisson, who's 23, Tatiana Delapenko, who's 24, Dennis Shavakskin, uh, that's wrong for sure, who's 19, Valentina, who we call Valia, Orochinko, who's 17, and Victoria Zalazova, who's 16. And then we have Tamar Bapanov, who's only 15. So we have a pretty young group of hikers, with the exception of Ludmilia, who's 41. And she is a very experienced hiking instructor. So she is in charge of this group. She had actually obtained the title of Master of Sports. And if you remember, this was the title that Igor Dyatlov was attempting to obtain when his group set out on their hike. So him completing his hike would have given him this title. Mm -hmm. She's already got it. She was considered a master and survivalist by her peers. She also was very loved by her students who claimed that she pushed them hard, but taught them confidence and critical skills in the outdoors. So you have to imagine this group is probably extremely confident about their chances of survival on this trip. Yeah. 100% 100% they are. Mm-hmm. And they would arrive to the Kamar Dubon mountain range by train before beginning their hike. So the Kamar mountain range, with its rugged scenery, was a popular tourist hiking spot and is considered safe in the summertime. So their route would be a Category 4 difficulty, and Dyatlov Pass was a Category 3. Right, so we're talking about slightly harder terrain, We are in August. We are in August. So this is ideal hiking time for this area. Is it? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? No. It is summertime there, though. Is it summertime? Yeah. So in Russia, their summertime is June 1st to August 31. They have about a month left before their summer's over. So they're good into the summer. Yeah. And on August 2nd, the group would arrive at Marino, a mountain town at the base of Kamar. And this is where they would start their hike. So the skies were clear and sunny with an optimistic forecast for their hike. There are three other hiking groups in this area. Ludmilla's daughter, Natalia, would be leading one of these groups. And Natalia's group and Ludmilla's group would plan on meeting up on August 5th because their routes would cross paths. Right, so they weren't taking the exact same path, but they were both heading into the same area. And then on the 5th is when their groups would be in the same area. So we have three groups that are hiking at the same time and will have similar experience as far as weather and terrain go. Yep. Now, their first two days went pretty well. The following day, when the group headed up, were Translator Peak, which I know is very wrong. Mm. And this would... (laughs) Madison's like, you want to try it? Okay, how would you pronounce that in Russian? Go. The group would head up to their peak at 2,204 meters. So this is about 7,230 feet. And this peak actually has a structure on it. It serves as a shelter for hikers. Inside this shelter, there are supplies, there's shelter, there's firewood, there's all the things that can make a good stop. Now, when the group is about a half mile from the summit, they decide to make camp. And they would make camp in a barren open area, and we're not really sure why this happens. 
the survivor of the group could not really give an answer for why this is where they chose to camp. So it could be that the group was too exhausted to continue. Uh, Weather had started to take a turn a little bit. It had started to get colder and rainier. Could they have thought that the peak was a lot further than it was? Because they're only half a mile from this shelter that would offer them protection from the wind and the cold. Mm -hmm. But they don't continue on for some reason. Now, the wind would be so strong this night that it would actually pull their tents from their moorings, forcing the group to leave the warmth multiple times in order to fix it. So that's how bad the wind is and how open of an area they're in. They have no shelter from the trees or anything else. So the group would wake up on the 5th and build a fire, which was a miracle since there was a fresh blanket of snow down. A storm had come through the night before. Which was not in the forecast, by the way. Ludmilla would make the decision that they would abandon the summit and head back down. Yeah, so we didn't know if there was a warning sign that she recognized or what made her nervous or if it was just that the group was too tired or didn't feel good or we're not sure what made her make the decision to pack up and head back down. Especially considering we know that they're only a half mile from the summit. Yeah. So after breakfast, they would pack up and they would head back down. So they were on the slope of Mount Tritonis and with a peak of 2,311 meters or 7,582 feet. Right, and if you remember, elevation sickness usually sets in around 10,000 feet for a lot of people. And we have said in the past that that can be lower for some people, but they are under the threshold where they should be experiencing any kind of motion sickness. But when Natalia, Lindmidia's daughter, and her group make it to the predetermined meeting spot, there is no sign of her mom or the group. And this is not immediately alarming since there were a number of reasons that the group could have been delayed, as there always is when hiking, right? They could have been moving slower than planned, somebody could have been injured, or they could have had navigational issues. Either way, her mother is a lot more experienced than her, so she does not have cause for alarm at this time. Mm -hmm. And they would actually move on, assuming that they would meet up with them at the end of their hike. But this would not happen. So on August 9th or 10th, not quite sure. A group of kayakers would pass and see a woman in the river washing her hair. And she just stands there and she doesn't say anything and they just continue down the river. After passing her, the group starts talking and they decide to go back because it just seemed really strange to them. Yeah, they're kind of in the middle of nowhere. So she becomes hysterical when she's approached and she identifies herself as Valentina Yudajenko and told them that she'd been hiking with six others and that they were all dead And they gave her a cup of coffee with vodka. My kind of first aid. Which isn't that strange. We are in Russia. That does not surprise me. No. This is Russia we're talking about. That is the most Russian thing I've ever heard. Someone from Russia, correct me if I'm wrong. That's a a stereo. I mean, it's a stereotype. I don't know. Every time I I watch Ridiculousness and somebody's doing something in a snowy area that's really stupid or they're really drunk, they're like, this must be Russia. (laughs) I don't know. So they would take her to the police station, and the story that she would give, there's some disagreements on this part. One side says that it would take her weeks to give her story, and apparently she was so traumatized that she was unable to say what happened. 
Other accounts say that she told the kayakers her story and repeated it to the police. Everyone says something different. I know. And we'll talk about that later, too. There's a lot of discrepancies in the reporting of what happens at certain stages. We tried to find the most accurate account of everything. So we're going to give you the most accurate account that we could find. So according to Valentina or Valia, which is what we're going to call her, after breakfast on the morning of the 5th, the group abandoned their summit. They ate breakfast and packed up before heading down the slope. She said the day was cold with rain, snow, and a strong wind. She said that the hikers were exhausted and cold, which this could be what led to them abandoning their summit. And it would be about noon when they headed down. Okay? This is when things get crazy. Almost immediately, Sasha, who is Alexander, Sasha, they call him Sasha, he's the 23-year-old male in their group, and he is the strongest member of their group. He's carrying the most weight. He's the most fit person on this hike. And he's in the very back of the group when all of a sudden he starts to scream. And when Valia turns around, he is bleeding from his eyes and ears, and he is also frothing at the mouth. He falls to the ground convulsing before going still. Now, Ludmilla runs to him, and she insists that the rest of the group continue to the tree line to get help. So they're just a little ways from the tree line, so she's like, everybody get to the tree line because something's wrong, and she doesn't know what at this point. She does put 19-year-old Dennis in charge of the group, and she tries in vain to get Sasha to regain consciousness. And I will say that Sending everybody else down the mountain is probably the safest thing to do at this point because you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's going on. It's really windy and stormy. Like, get down to the tree line. She stays with Sasha. But the group is quickly stopped in their tracks when they hear Ludmilla scream herself. When they start running in her direction, they see that she is also bleeding from her eyes and nose. And she begins convulsing before collapsing on top of Sasha. And at this point, chaos would ensue. Which, think about it. Not only is the strongest member of their group down, but so is their leader. And they're bleeding from their eyes, you guys. That is so fucking traumatizing. And not only that, but most of these hikers are children. Which which one's the one that's bleeding from the mouth? So The first one that starts... Yeah, so Alexander's the first one to go down, Sasha. And then the leader goes down, which is Ludmilla. Sasha and Ludmilla are the first. Okay, so first of all, that takes two of the oldest people. Yep. Immediately out. We have one more person in their 20s, and then the other people are teenagers. There's a 19-year-old in there, but... Yeah, 19, 17, 16, and 15. Yeah. And they're already exhausted, they're cold, mm-hmm. and they've already abandoned their summer, their summit because something is not right. Yeah. Tatiana would get to Sasha and Ludmilla first and would also be the next to collapse to the ground. And she would be grabbing her throat as if she couldn't breathe and also bleeding. She would crawl to a nearby rock where she would bash her head before going still. So... Something traumatic is happening to her to the point where she is bashing her head on a rock. Victoria and Tamar begin to run. 
I think that's fair. I might run at this point too. You either run or you just stand there not knowing what to do. I don't know. They would both collapse while running and would start clutching their throats as well. Valya would try to help Victoria and Victoria would actually bite her, forcing her back off before going still. Now we have Dennis and Valya left. And remember, Dennis is supposed to be in charge of the group now. And he's hiding behind some rocks. Valya grabs him by the hand and they begin to run down the hill toward the trees. But Dennis would soon collapse convulsing as well and blood would start pouring from his eyes and nose. Can you even imagine? I can't even imagine being in this situation. Valya is now the only survivor of whatever is happening and she begins to run and she runs into the trees until she is far enough away from the tragedy. Remember, she is 17. And at that point, she would wrap herself in what sounds like some sort of thermal plastic or blanket, climb into a tent that she did have in her pack and expect to die before waking up again. But she would fall asleep. So fucking traumatic. Upon waking up, she realized that she's alive and that she would also not be able to survive without proper gear. She has no food and no water because they're sharing weight. So what she's carrying is just a portion of the supplies that would be needed to get down the mountain. So she realizes that she would have to go back in order to get the gear that she needed. And when she arrives back at the site, none of her friends have moved from where they fell. And they are all dead. She does close their eyes before collecting gear and heading back into the woods. And we are in 1993. Right. So, no cell phones. No cell phones, no GPS, no nothing like that. She probably has a map, but she also is not the leader of this group. Not by far, right. So, she might not even know how to read a map. We have no idea. She's just got to find her way off of this mountain now. The fact that she went back for the the supplies already tells me that she's at least semi-capable of surviving. Right. The fact that she didn't just continue going down that mountain... I know. I'm. I don't know if I would have gone back. And even that she stopped and set up a tent. Mm-hmm. It it kind of sounded like she just like crawled into it. Maybe didn't even set it up. But still, the fact that she sheltered herself. Oh, to I try mean, if I thought warm, I was, if I thought I was gonna die, I would also not set up my tent. I would also climb into. You it might not even need to feel like you were gonna die. I feel like if I wasn't there, you might just crawl into your tent instead of setting it up. No, I wouldn't. I would have to be really tired to do that because waking up in the morning with that wet tent against you. Because the tent's wet no matter what. I swear to God. The condensation, yeah. I've never, I mean, yeah. So she would first come to an abandoned repeater tower. And this is at 7,578 feet. And here she would spend the night. So in the morning, she would notice the pillars going down from the tower. And she decided that at the bottom there had to be houses or people or something So she decided to follow that. Which is very smart. So she would follow them for four days before she reached the river, where she would have to start to follow that instead. And here's where she decided to wash her hair. Right, which might sound weird, but she said that she feared if she was going to die, she wanted to at least, like, have clean hair. Because at this point, she thinks she's going to die. So she's probably getting to the point where she's starting to think about giving up and maybe not continuing on and decides that she's going to wash her hair. Which 
A lot of people say it's very strange that she waded into the river when it's cold to wash her hair, but I don't know. If I thought I was going to die, who knows? She's been hiking by herself for four days Mm -hmm. after watching multiple people that she knows die. In a very traumatizing way. So I don't I think don't, anything she does is weird at this point. I don't know if her wanting to bathe herself before she either, A, keeps walking to try to rescue herself right. or dies. I don't know. Either way, I don't think it's super strange. Well, because she, at this point, she's got to figure she's not following the path that she should be on because they would have been out by then. Mm-hmm. So she knows she's not where she needs to be. Yeah. So after the kayakers take her to the police... The search would not begin until the 21st, which is... What day were they supposed to be out? So she is found on the 9th or the 10th. There are a couple theories. And like we talked about earlier, one of the theories or one of the portions of the story that, that alter is that she was too traumatized to give her account of the story for a couple of weeks. And... Could this be what led to the delay in them searching for the group? Or did they need to wait for better weather? We're not really sure. But it takes until the 21st to actually send out search parties. Or maybe because they already knew everyone was dead. Could be. Or they knew there was something radioactive or something dangerous. They could have just thought there might be something dangerous based on her description and felt like they needed to wait. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, either way, everyone's dead. They're not looking for alive people, so... Right, but I feel like we could have gotten a better idea of some things if they had found the group faster. But it would be the 26th before the group was found. Okay. So even with her descriptions, they didn't find the group until the 26th. And also, maybe there were people searching before the 21st. Maybe the 21st is just, like, the official search. Because you know how in a lot of times Mm -hmm. we see that there's, like, a little unofficial search before Maybe that unofficial search was happening, and maybe, like, they didn't get, like, rescue in there. Right. Could be, yeah. Like, their, whatever their search and rescue is. still weeks of leg time, which is really strange, but I don't know. Now, when found, the group would be in a severe stage of decomposition. Their eyes would be missing, and they would be swollen. Because it is three weeks after the group was last seen that they are found. Yeah. I will include a link to the video of searchers finding the group. However, maybe don't watch it. It's like the Diatlov Pass where I included the autopsy and the scene photos, but I was like, I wish I hadn't seen that. This one's not as disturbing as the Diatlov Pass one, but still, I don't know. It's up to you, but I'm just saying. Maddie's not going to watch it. I don't really want to see three-week-old decomposing bodies. Now, the autopsy would say that Alexander, Tatiana, Dennis, and Victoria, along with Tamar, all died of hypothermia. With the exception of Lumidia, who possibly died of a heart attack. Maddie's making a face like, what? Do you bleed out of your ears and your eyes when you get hypothermia? No. You sure don't. Because I know that that can happen with, like, extreme heat. And I know that, like, the hypothermia can, like, mimic that, I guess. No, you definitely do not bleed. I could find no information that said bleeding from your eyes, ears, or nose were part of any stage of hypothermia. If you get really, really hot, 
I don't think so, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like that'd be more likely. I feel like your blood can like boil, boil inside of you and like, like flowing out. I, I don't, don't know why, but I feel I don't like know. it's a possibility. I feel like I don't, Madison's I watched sh- too many horror movies. I don't actually. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if that's true, but I feel like it would happen. I feel like, but I feel like if your eyes, if you're gonna have blood boiling out of your eyes and your ears. It's going to be from being hot, not being cold. Yeah, it's definitely not a symptom of hypothermia. They would all have bruising on their lungs and protein deficiency due to malnutrition were listed as contributing factors to their deaths. And they were all ruled as accidental. Okay. Some of the group was partially undressed, which I think is interesting because... Valia never mentions anybody taking their clothing off. Maybe she took clothing off of them. Could could be, and maybe she did not relay that. And didn't want to say. Because who wants to say, yeah, they were dead and I took their clothes off of them? Yeah, maybe. Well, and when I looked at the video, and some of the videos blurred out on the one that I posted. There is one that's not blurred out, but I don't think that's the one that I, I linked But to me, it looks like maybe some clothing is askew, but it doesn't look like it's off. Like, there are reports that say they're in just their, like, underwear and stuff. And that's not true. Like, they all have their gear on. Could be animals. Well, also remember, as they fell to their deaths, they were freaking out. Who knows what was going on during that time? Either way, Value's report does not really match up with paradoxical undressing. But we do know that... During hypothermia, people do tend to take their clothing off because in the last stages of hypothermia, you feel overheated. They all died really fast, though. Either way, the paradoxical undressing could be misinformation, could be translation issues, could be things like that. But it does look to me like at least one jacket and a pair of shoes are off or like not on the bodies. But again, I don't know. Also, could shoes have been removed during the struggle by dying or from animal activity, possibly? Yeah, or she stole someone's, like, second pair of socks or some shit. I mean, exactly. We really don't know. And I think because Valia has not said anything else after her original statement. Right, we might not have all of the information, or she might not even remember all of the information. Or blocked it out, honestly. And, you know, I could see someone not wanting to admit that they took clothing off of a dead person. And we we do know that they did that in Dyatlov Pass. Yeah, because they had different people's Because people had other people's clothing on. Exactly. So, I mean... So, I I could imagine that, like, if she did do that, her not saying anything, I... She's 17. She's in a super stressful situation. Like, one of her survival... One of her, like, instincts, like, something she did was wash her hair. Which isn't super crazy to me. Like, I don't see that being super crazy. That's like a normal crazy. teenage girl But, like, thing. since she is a teenage girl, yeah. that's totally something I could see. And if she did that... Who knows? Yeah. Now, with the malnutrition finding, I want to talk about the group's food for a second. Because Value would say in her interview that the group was consuming about 2,500 calories per person per day. Which is not enough. 100%. No way is that enough if she's accurate in that account. So this food intake amount, I read one journalist's theory on this saying that they that would be enough food to consume for external heating, but not enough 
to sustain or replenish them as they hiked. So it'd be enough to keep them alive, but not necessarily like in the best shape, which I don't know, 2,500 calories. That's almost, that's like my daily calorie intake just for a normal day, not even when I'm hiking. Well, who knows if that's accurate, what she could have been asked, like, how many calories were you guys taking? And she's like, I don't, I don't know. She might not even know. I know. I know. 2,500? Yeah. Like, 2,000 calories? Like, maybe three? Like, who who knows? If someone asked me, how many, how many calories were you intaking? I don't fucking know. (laughs) So I usually, I usually do plan my calorie intake when I'm hiking, but my low end scale for a moderate to difficult hike would be like 3,500 in a day. I don't even understand calories. I don't even understand anything. It doesn't make sense. None of Maddie that just, makes sense. Maddie just tries to eat what I tell her to eat when we hike. But I also, on top of that 3,500 calories, I also have a surplus for each day, which I don't normally dip into because I tend to undereat a little bit when I hike. I try, but we get to the point where we're like, oh, I can't eat another bite, and that's just how it is. But when you factor in the cold, it becomes even more important to have adequate calorie intake in order to keep your body warm because that will help you avoid hypothermia as well. So the theory is that they are at a deficit regardless of how many calories. We don't know exactly what they were intaking, but it is believed that they were at a deficit based on her interview and based on the malnutrition evidence, right? So their camp would be another issue that experts would turn over and over. Could this have contributed to the group's demise? It, it's much like in Diallo Pass, where it seems that their camping spot was not a good spot. Yeah, like a horrible place yeah. to put a tent. Well, and when we look at, at the campsite, too, they did survive the night. So maybe it wasn't the worst campsite, but did them being overly cold and exposed contribute to whatever happened to them? We don't know. When we talk about theories on this case, not all of them make sense either, just like in Dial of Pass. Like, there's no one theory that's like, that has to be what happened. That's it. That makes sense. Right? Do they actually bleed from their eyes and ears? That's one of the theories that we're going to talk about. Did she not just kill them? What? Did she not just kill them? Did she not just kill them? Did one of them have a psychotic break That's and kill the other also ones and one she of the ran? Theories. And... Yep. Okay, so you want to talk about, talk about the hypothermia? Oh, that's like the worst fucking one. You want me to talk about hypothermia? I'll talk about hypothermia. <laughs> it's like the worst theory, though. Because it seems unlikely. <laughs> I'm sorry. Six people die of hypothermia all at the same time? And one one little girl gets to survive? Yeah. I and doesn't die say... of hypothermia? I will say that hypothermia standing on its own as their demise to me is ludicrous. I just don't see like one person not getting hypothermia and the rest of them all getting hypothermia. Like if it was like half and half, I could see it. Right. But the fact that like not all of them died from hypothermia, only one of them, she just runs warmer than everyone else and she just had no symptoms of hypothermia and was able to put herself in the water... A couple days later. Right. And be okay. And she she would have been close to hypothermia if six people died of hypothermia. Okay, so there's two things that I think about the hypothermia. In order for this theory to be how they died, 
Valia's account has to be wrong in one way or another. At least part of it. One theory that I did hear, which sounds crazy, but, you know, all of this is crazy, is that maybe Sasha had some sort of brain aneurysm and Ludmidia did have a heart attack and everyone else just panicked and actually died of hypothermia. And maybe Sasha was the only one that actually had blood pouring from anything from his aneurysm. And she just remembers it wrong. Fully possible. But that's still four people dropping dead of hypothermia within minutes of each other. And the one person has a brain aneurysm and then the other person has a heart attack. That's already chances enough. That's already like crazy as fuck. Like that's already nuts. One thing that was suggested is could something else have incapacitated the group and Valya thought that they were dead, but they were really unconscious. And then they died of hypothermia after she left. Possibilities, which is why their deaths would come up as hypothermia because maybe they were knocked out. Right. And that ties into like, was this biological weapon, nerve gas, military cover up, something like that. No, because why would one person not get it? What, is she the special government fucking clone that is just immune to whatever demise brought down these other six people? So could they have come across something that they shouldn't have seen and were in the area? Sure. The problem that I have with that is they're in an area that is highly traveled by hikers. This is a hiking area. There's a hiking shelter where they're at. The government, I feel like, is less likely to be involved in this one than Dyatlov Pass because at least the Dyatlov Pass, there was no one fucking out there. They were in the middle of they nowhere. They were in the middle of nowhere. They were out in the middle of winter. So Russian military or some sort of experiment, to me, doesn't make sense. Like, they saw something they shouldn't have seen, whatever, because there is a survivor, and this is a terrible area for any kind of... Military shit. Yeah. So... That brings us to, like, nerve gas or biological weapon. And to me, the symptoms, at least in my mind, seem more consistent with yeah. something like that, including the bruising of the lungs, which is a side effect of nerve gas. Respiratory distress also is. Cardiac arrest also is. Yeah. So could they have been exposed to something? I just don't understand how the one girl survived if it's, like, okay. fucking nerve gas or something. Okay. Hold on. So... Unless she's a she's a she's working for the Russian government and she's actually a robot and she's not real or something. <laughs> she's not real. I don't know. Okay, hold on. Maybe she gassed the group. Maybe she's the government spy. Maybe that was her job out there was to expose them to this nerve gas. And, and she everything was, she said. What she was actually doing is that she was washing her hair to create and start her new life somewhere else <laughs> and got caught by the kayakers and had no choice but to come washing forward. Washing her hair to start her new life. Okay. I don't know, man. I don't fucking know. I will say, though, that blood pouring from nose, mouth, ears, all of that, that's not really even a side effect of any kind of weapon that we know of. It's not any known biological weapon side effect. Nah, the government definitely has something that I'm sure there's something like that. I don't, I have no doubt. Could it be some kind of agent that causes the hemorrhagic effects? that they were all exposed to either in the area where they died or at some point during their hike. It had some sort of delayed effect. Could this nerve gas or whatever it was incapacitated the hikers, causing them to die of hypothermia? And maybe Valya just thought they were dead and she left. And maybe she, for whatever reason, wasn't exposed to 
whatever this was. This could also tie back to why searchers waited so long to go out looking for Mm -hmm. the group because they knew they had been exposed to something and they needed to wait for it to dissipate. Maybe. I don't know. Natasha Mullins had an interesting theory on nerve gas and she wrote an article in Medium about this and it's basically this. The rainstorm that the hikers ran into could have washed some sort of strong nerve agent down the slope from the top of the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. So this rain comes in because... because Water, 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 water. What if they yeah. filled up their waters, but... Val- Maybe Valia didn't fill up her water at that time. Or, or didn't drink, just didn't drink the water from that area. Yeah. So the rain washes down this nerve agent, which could have been tested months before, years before, whatever, because... Testing had just kind of stopped on this sort of thing in Russia recently. So could this have been a previous area where they tested? We don't know. But her theory was that the morning sun evaporated the rain, releasing those toxins close to the ground. And then Sasha was unlucky enough to walk over a contaminated area, causing his symptoms, right? Ludmidia reaches him first, exposing herself as well. Tatiana and Victoria and Tumar were the first ones to reach Lamidia, but ran away quickly, delaying their death slightly. Valia didn't get close to Lamidia, so was not exposed. She did get close to Dennis, who was crouching behind the rock, but maybe not. Maybe it didn't pass on to her for whatever reason. I feel like it's more likely that this nerve gas was in whatever water they filled up from. And, um,. That's what happened. They drank some water. They just drank bad water that was... Another... I I do think that bad water could be a possibility. But nobody else who was hiking in the mountains got sick. But could they have run into something? Mm -hmm. Very possible, right? And I'm not sure if the water in their bottles or in their supply was ever tested. Yeah. But they did eat breakfast that morning. Could they have eaten something? Could she not have eaten breakfast? There is a mushroom theory out there. And bear with me for a second. And I kind of like this one a little bit. Could the group have eaten some sort of mushroom that caused hallucinations? Because Valia did say that they were collecting and foraging for things Along the mountainside. So as they, they all just trip in the fuck on so, shrooms? So think about it. So if they had had, so if they had misidentified a mushroom mm-hmm. and maybe served it for breakfast and maybe Valia didn't eat it or didn't eat as much of it as everybody else, right? Or maybe her system handled it better. A common hallucination while tripping on mushrooms is that you see blood like pouring from people's like eyes and nose and ears and whatnot. I have a lot of different hallucinations. (laughs) So she had said that they were collecting and drying golden root. Mm -hmm. But if they were collecting that, could they have collected something else that was maybe misidentified? Mm -hmm. So maybe the blood didn't happen at all. Maybe they were all tripping. Maybe she just was tripping, ran off into the woods, and the rest of the group died of hypothermia because they didn't make it to the tree line. Because they were all busy sitting around tripping. Maybe she hallucinated the blood and took off. They're all tripping. They all start tripping around like 
similar times. And what happens is that maybe the one guy had a bad reaction, the first guy that goes down. Mm-hmm. And then... Everybody starts tripping. Yeah, and they're all tripping. And then Lumidia, she goes over, and she has a heart attack because she's like, oh, my God, my student... Like, maybe he, the student... Maybe he's seizing or something. Well, and Sasha was, like, a son to her. She was actually really close to him. Okay. So she had known him all of his so, life. So, yeah, him having, like, a seizure or something because maybe he ate the most. Would maybe be more traumatizing his body doesn't deal with the, the toxin. toxic of the shrooms a lot because... Right? It's an interesting theory. Well, not saying from my own personal experiences or something, but <laughs> so some people's bodies do not deal with that as well as other people's. I have a feeling my body would not deal well with I that. I throw up every single time. We also have to probably consider food poisoning or water contamination. We kind of talked about water contamination a little bit, but again, with the food poisoning, like not saying the value was involved, right? If she was, she could have poisoned everybody's food and not her own and told whatever story she wanted to. But... True, but why would she get herself stuck out there? Well, maybe she wasn't stuck out there. Maybe she was just hiding out there. I don't know. True. But it could be that they were all poisoned, and maybe she didn't eat whatever was poisoned or whatever made the rest of the group sick, and they just fell and died of hypothermia. It, it's the blood. Like, if there was blood pouring from their eyes and their ears and their nose and whatnot. Can I see the autopsy video? Yeah. I don't want to see it. <sighs> But I think I need to. You think you need to? Okay. Their stuff is everywhere. Yeah. Their stuff is fucking everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, their bags are not... Well, some of their stuff is right next to them, but some of their bags are further away. But these could be the bags of the ones that ran, too. They could have dropped their stuff and run as well. So we don't know whose stuff is whose. But they're not wearing their packs. None of them have no, their no packs No, no one has a pack on. on. So Maddie, Maddie just watched the video because she's like, I've got to see the video. Their packs, nobody's wearing their packs. So the bodies that you can see, they don't have their backpacks on. And packs and gear is kind of just littered on the ground around everybody. So, Which could explain if she went through their stuff. That, and that's what I'm thinking is that she took the packs off to go through them. Yeah. So that's the thing. There's so many things that we don't know. But do you know what I mean? It doesn't look like they took their clothes off. They're wearing their clothes. They definitely have their clothes on. No one took their clothes off. That's the paradoxical undressing rumors are not true. Did not happen. Yeah. I want to see a better video. This is the only video that I could find. I know. I want a better video. Maddie wants a better video. <laughs> I want a video that shows I can't see the whole crime scene and I can only see two dead people. I want to see where well, the rest of them are. Well, you see four. You see four altogether. Where are the other people? It doesn't show them. How far away are they? Where's the chick that smashed her head into the rock? I want to see where the fuck she went. That's the thing is that I want to know. Because in Diatlov Pass, they have clear diagrams of where every single person was found. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have clear diagrams. We know exactly who was where, what state they were in. Who has whose clothes on. Yeah. In this one, we don't have that. We don't know whose clothes they're wearing. We, there's no snow on the ground. There's no snow around them. Like, there is very minimal snow. Like, speckles of snow on the ground. I think that's just rocks. (laughs) It it honestly could be. It Uh could be just rocks. Um, no one's wearing a pack. 
their stuff is spread out all over the place, which kind of makes sense if she went through all their stuff. We know that she that went makes through sense. their stuff. Yeah. Either way, whatever happened in this case, Valia refuses to talk about the incident. And she would later say, do you think I want to remember this nightmare? I had to leave, change my whole life. I don't want to remember it. Our instructor was a very high rank and everything that happened was not her fault. Then everything would be fine with us if there was the weather that forecasters promised. So the one statement that she did make to whoever this was, press or whoever, she's saying it's not the instructor's fault and the forecast played the biggest role in their demise, which I I imagine that there was a lot of blame placed on the group leader initially. But at the end of the day, there are even if you're experienced, there are things that you can't control. Yeah, so, um... I don't know. I would love to see their water tested. All their waters. That they were carrying, yeah. I feel like... I mean, we're not we're not doing a bunker talk on this one because we talked so much about theories in the episode, but... Which theory do you feel the strongest about? Um, I, I don't think I fully like one theory at all. None of them quite fit. Um, I'm going to have to say that the, like the, if they are bleeding from their eyes, Mm -hmm. the nerve gas theory is very, very much so. Agreed. Even if that's not a symptom. But. Also, of one we know of, yeah. The shroom theory is also a fantastic one. I do really like that one. So those are my two favorite theories. Because I'm thinking yeah. the first person had it, the first guy had a, Sasha had a reaction. Teacher came down. She's also tripping on shrooms. She's older, so maybe you know she has a heart attack because right. she thinks that he's dying, and you're on shrooms, so everything is just fucking amplified. And like we're a assuming that the blood didn't happen in that scenario. Which I Or would, it could have happened for one person, or she literally could have seen that if she's tripping balls. True. And what happened is that people do smash their heads on things when they're tripping. I haven't heard it on shrooms before, but I know on other drugs. Well, we don't know what exactly they ate. Oh, and yeah. we don't know what kind of shrooms they ate either, which they- If like, they did, yeah. yeah. Like, they could have actually eaten, like, a toxin mushroom and, like, actually been, like, dying, dying. tripping. Yeah, yeah. Do, is there a mushroom that causes- not that you I could find. Out of your eyes? No, not okay. that I could find. Um, I really couldn't find anything that causes that, especially in a group of people, which is well, why I lean towards nerve gas if the blood actually happened. I also know that if one person saw them bleeding from their eyes, it could very easily, if they were tripping, all be put onto a group hysteria. Right. Which the girl slamming her head against the thing, not being able to breathe, I mean, yeah, that's really extreme. Smashing your head on a rock. Yeah. To the point of death? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's no way that she could have killed them unless it was a poison or a biological weapon or something like that. Because 
Only one person has external trauma. Everybody else, it's all internal trauma. And then also, I would be curious to hear if she was sick while she was hiking the rest of the way. Like, if she was throwing up or anything. Because that could explain why she felt like she needed to shower so much because she was, like, shitting herself and throwing up the whole time. I mean, maybe. Like, that could explain why she got I into mean, the cold river. four days not showering. No. You're gonna ex- feel dirty no matter what. You're but, right. Yeah. But, like, I'm wondering if she was sick. Because that could also be something that since she hasn't had that much of a statement, she hasn't mentioned that much, that could be something that she didn't mention as well. And we also don't know even how much of this she remembers. I mean, she was so traumatized probably with this experience. Which then also for her to probably feel even crazier because after everyone found the body, she's told, oh no, these people died of hypothermia. She's like, oh fuck, I'm crazy. I saw them bleeding from their eyes. Like, what the? What do you mean they died of hypothermia and a heart attack? Like, well, and I was trying to look at the video, and you you don't really get a chance to see very much of anything. They, they blur out when you get close. But I was trying to look at the clothing to see if there was any blood on anything, and I couldn't see anything. And I only read in one report that Valia had blood on her jacket when they found her. That's the only blood I saw mentioned anywhere. Besides one report that said the kayakers found her and she was covered in blood, which isn't true. But yeah, so we we really don't know. I feel like if the blood was there or not could be proved or disproved mm-hmm. based on when they found the bodies. But there's been no confirming of it or denying of it. It's yeah. just out there. I don't know. I like the shroom theory. I do like that one a lot. Either way, it's a crazy, crazy story. Seven hikers go into the woods and only one comes out. And to die in such a traumatic way, I don't even know. But her bashing her head against the rock, I really don't like that. That's the one that, like, really bothers me. Let us know what your guys' theories are. Um, It's a mystery. It's crazy. I feel like... I don't feel like it's crazier than Dyatlov Pass. I just feel like it's strange. I'm irritated that we don't have more questions. More answers. Which I don't, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. I'm upset we don't have more answers, which I can't really blame Valia for not wanting to talk about that because whatever right. the fuck happened, obviously traumatizing. With Dyatlov Pass, we have very, very detailed accounts of everything. And we just don't have the details. And that's in this just case. not here with that. I one. could go yeah. without her giving any answers if I had as many details as I did for Diatlov Pass. Yeah. But we don't have as many details as we did right. for Diatlov Pass. No, I mean we had like every mark on every body, every item of clothing, like everything was cataloged. They literally cataloged their clothes so they knew whose clothing belonged to whose. So when they found the bodies, they knew who was wearing each other's clothing. Yeah. And this, I don't think they know that. No. It's it's very frustrating that we don't have more answers. But yeah, that's the Kamar Juban incident. That one's crazy. I've been wanting to cover it since we did the Love Pass, and I kind of just forgot about it. All right, well... Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Sorry that it is a little bit late. It's totally Maddie's fault. We Yeah, it is my bad. We also want to thank our Patreons so much for supporting us. We have some new ones. We have Katie Wildholm. Wildham? Wildholm? Home? Hi, Katie. Amanda Swanson. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to Patreon. We have Andrea Bailey. 
Hi, Andrea. We have Wendy Mathis. Yeah. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to Patreon. We also have Jamie Polsberg. Hi, Jamie. I can't even read that word. Vicky that? Vicky Hornsbostel. I don't know, but I like it. Hornsbostel? That can't be right. Is that in Horn? It's H-O-R-N-B-O-S-T-E-L. Okay, so yeah. Hornbostel. Everything after the O, the R and N are just like, I literally cannot see that. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Vicky. Welcome to Patreon. Like your name. John Sherry. Hi, John. Welcome to Patreon. And we also have Stephanie Bacon. Welcome to Patreon, you guys. And thank you so much for supporting us. You guys are amazing. If you want extra episodes, if you want bonus materials, if you want all of the things, head over to Patreon. Go and check us out on Patreon. I'm so sorry about the episode being released late. That is... (laughs) my bad for sure we're trying to get on like a better schedule where we can record ahead of time and record maybe more than one because Maddie does live a little further away and it's harder to get here so yeah all right well thanks for tuning in guys and we will talk to you soon bye So the boys are acclimating very well to the new place. Yeah, so Maddie's in her new apartment now, condo, whatever you want to call it. Well, I'm not really sure what the difference is. It looks like an apartment, but they call it a condo. Someone owns it. Oh, is that the difference between an apartment and a condo? I'm pretty confident. Maybe? I don't know. Hey, Siri. (laughs) What's the difference between an apartment and a condo? Wikipedia, unlike apartments, which are leased by their tenants, condominium units are owned outright. Additionally, the owners of the individual units also collectively own the common areas of the property, such as corridors, hallways, walkways, laundry rooms, etc., as well as common utility. Okay, so Maddie's right. Condos are owned where apartments are rented well they're both rented yeah it's like owned by a whole like the whole condominium like the like not the everything whole. there is owned by a different the, person in the condominium yeah right okay so every like each individual apartment is owned yeah. by a different person it's actually person. in a decent area too there's like a hospital nearby right like yeah. there's a whole bunch of stuff it's nearby. not super sketchy so i was happy about that <laughs> the cats love it there's lots of crows and bunnies yeah. We have a little courtyard out the back that the boys are obsessed with. You know with. who doesn't love life right now? Is Mystic. He has turned into a meowing psychopath. Like, he's so vocal, I have never... He's looking for the boys, probably. Well, he doesn't seem to be looking for anything, but, like, he's, like, standing at the t- on the table while I'm working, meowing at me. He's on the counter, meowing at me. He's, like, just... He needs attention. Oh, he's been getting a lot of attention. Not enough attention. Dude, he's like on my lap like 12 times a day. I'm like, dude, get off my lap. I can't work. Okay, so we do have a roommate and she also has a cat. Oh. She has a little tabby, little girl. How are they liking the tabby? Um, Because they're used to being hissed at by Mystic. Mystic hated the boys, by the way. And so I was worried about how they would interact with another cat. So we've been keeping them separate, obviously. We're trying to do a good introduction with them. But um, 
The first day they were there, the door was cracked, and Minnie, her name is Minnie. Okay. She saw Maverick, stared at each other, and she hissed at Maverick. Oh. And she started it. Great. Ever since then, Maverick. Ma- so, you know, Maverick doesn't hiss. He learned how to hiss from Mystic. Right. So he doesn't know when to properly use the hiss. Oh. Is he just using it at random times now? Um, <laughs> He'll sniff underneath the door and he'll go. <laughs> and then walk around and do that for a minute. By the until- way, he also has a really weird meow. It sounds like a fake cat meow. Like, yeah. Like he's working hard at it, but he doesn't quite know how to do it. It's the weirdest thing. Um, yeah, so he just walks around the house hissing at random moments because he (laughs) smells her and all of a sudden is like, this bitch is in my house. (laughs) And then Goose, Goose is just fascinated. Goose sits by the door half the day, sniffs under the doorway. He's constantly like, they went face to face at the doorway. They sniffed each other's noses, had no issues. She was looking around for Maverick when she was sniffing Goose. So because then, Goose is the one that actually had a problem with Mystic, or Mystic had a problem with Goose. Like, Mystic and Maverick were pretty okay together, but Goose was always, like, trying to play with because, Maverick or yeah. Mystic, and Mystic didn't like it. So, they, they've been totally fine with each other. Goose accidentally got into her room, and she didn't even care that Goose was in the room. She was looking, She was waiting for Maverick to come through the door. Interesting. So, yet last night, they were. she was trying to get out the door and Goose was sitting in there. And Maverick had already put himself in the bedroom because he'd already done his hissing fit. He was already fucking over her. And um, I knew exactly what was going to happen and exactly what I thought was going to happen happened. So she goes running out the door. Goose goes and follows her. And then she turned around and he was there trying to sniff her. And she turns around and screams like <laughs> so fucking loud and i knew that it was exactly what was gonna happen because we think that she just turned around around the corner and he was just there yeah don't you want to like introduce them with food like isn't that yeah we've been doing that yeah, we've yeah. been doing that but it's been like it's been like five days now okay. and her and goose have haven't had any issues and neither of them have shown to have a problem but um yeah, it'll be interesting for them to interact with a cat that doesn't automatically, like, hiss and swat at them like Mystic did. Yeah. Like, Mystic was like, get the fuck away from me the second they came near him. She's just on edge because of Maverick. Yeah. She doesn't really care about Goose. She's worried where Maverick is. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Goose but, just wants to play. He yeah, now, I, no now it's like a triangle. Now Goose wants Minnie's attention, but Minnie doesn't like Goose. And Minnie wants Maverick's attention, but Maverick doesn't <laughs> want anything to do with Minnie. The love triangle. That's exactly what it is. Ludmilla's daughter. Ludmilla, Ludmilla's daughter, Natalie. Ludmilla. Ludmilla? Yeah. Ludmilla's daughter, Natalia. Natalia. Sorry. Ludmilla's, Ludmilla's daughter, Natalia. Nope. Ludmilla's. Ludmilla's. 